Hello, this is Patrick Widdis, and before we begin this episode, I'd like to remind you that this podcast isn't just about listening to poetry, it's about writing it too. Later on, as usual, we're going to have a writing prompt which I'd really like you to try. So whether you've never written a poem before or you write all the time, please grab a pen and notebook and be ready to do some writing. And do send your poems in. Let me know how you got on. Details of that at the end of the podcast. But now, here's today's guest, Ella Duffy. Halves. When the sea had me by the waist, I cupped my hands between my legs and pushed out my daughter. She could not know then, as I licked the cool from her scalp, that men would rate her as rare leather. Boats sag their bellies of netting for skin which might sieve a woman. The way her father had angled me from my pod, turned me out of fur to boast a girl. I carried my child as a stone, could never have seen us now, mother and pup, the two halves of a mussel shell dipping the shy grey of our backs under foam and back into rumour. Hello and welcome to Poetry Non-Stop. I'm Patrick Widdis and that was today's guest Ella Duffy with her poem Halves from a recent pamphlet New Hunger. Ella draws on mythology and the natural world in her vivid and compelling poetry. Here she is to talk more about the poem and the mythology that inspired it. Yeah, um, so it's based on Selkie mythology. Um, Selkies being mythological beings that can shapeshift between being human and being seal. Um, so, and a lot, well, a lot of these stories are quite grim um, and deal with themes of force and kidnapping and coercion. Um, so I wanted to play on those original ideas a little bit, um, but in this sort of reimagining, focus on a selkie mother and her child as my sort of way in to the myth. And yeah, I was that that was sort of my way in really. But it definitely is. They're they're very they're strange stories. I think that's what I was really drawn to the sort of strangeness and as you say the kind of mysteriousness. So uh, what is a selkie? So a selkie is a being from, from folklore and they are mythological beings that can change between human form and seal form. And they do that by shedding their seal skin and then they're able to walk on land as, as humans. And by putting their seal skin back on, they can become seal again so a being of, of shape-shifting and transformation yes and uh, i guess it sort of chimes in with a lot of uh, uh, current issues with uh, these uh, women as you say in a lot of stories being captured uh, uh, being forced to become wives on land mm-hmm. um, is that something that uh, you were interested in yeah definitely because it is it's strange there's sort of a romantic 
sizeization of these of these selkie stories but they are quite they are quite horrible and these st stories of these women being kidnapped and tricked by human men and kept on land so i do draw upon that ever so slightly in my poem but i did just want to shift the focus ever so slightly and explore a different relationship and that being the mother and daughter um which i think is quite something that is quite exciting about reimagining existing stories or existing myths because you almost have the power to change the ending so i thought what can i do to give this particular character this this selkie character a better ending so that was something i was thinking about and being able to sort of twist the narrative ever so slightly. And uh, how long did it take to write? I think this one was quite... I, I can never really remember how long it, it takes because I'm always sort of tinkering with lines. Um, so I think I, I had... It was one of those poems that I'd written the first few lines and it wasn't quite working. And it was only when I, I returned back to it a few weeks, even a couple of months later, that it, it developed into what it is now. But that is something that I'm always sort of doing when I'm writing. I write some lines and they don't quite work. And I'm always trying to find a place for them. So a long but short process, I think, as with <laughs> quite a few of my, my poems. Yes, it's uh, often like that. Uh, you need to leave things um, to uh, mature a mm. bit. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and uh, what, what kind of reaction have you had to a poem? Positive. Um, it was, well, I, I entered it into the um, Ambit Poetry competition. It must be, I'm trying to remember the year of it, maybe 2019 which it was placed in. So I was really, really happy about that. And that was, the competition theme was around um, wildness. So that, that fit quite well. Um, so I was really, really pleased about that. But it's had, yeah, positive reaction. And I've liked, it, it's been nice with um, mothers and daughters reactions to it. And without being the main focus, I think, it sort of attracted different audiences and different voices. But yeah, it was a really, really lovely one to write. I really enjoyed writing it. And uh, it's in your pamphlet, uh, New Hunger, um, yeah. and uh, a lot of those poems draw on uh, mythology. What is it that uh, attracts you to these uh, myths and legends? Well, I think there are, there are so many so many things that draw me to those stories. Um, I think a big part of it is this, is the strangeness of these stories and they're where so much can change, so much can happen. Nothing is quite as it seems. Bodies shapeshift, bodies change, people change. And I'm always really drawn to that aspect of storytelling where anything is possible. And I think a lot of that exists in mythology and fairy tale and folklore. So I'm always sort of seeking out these stranger stories to play with. And I think, but I think a lot of it does come down to really great storytelling and 
I think whenever I'm approaching an existing myth within my own work and I'm playing on that and I'm finding ways of reimagining it or, or sort of translating those myths, it can be quite useful thinking about it in terms of the oral tradition of passing down stories. So these stories that have changed over generations and changed depending on who's telling them. I think that's a really exciting thing um, as a writer um, to think I'm just another storyteller and the story will change ever so slightly depending on who's got it in their, in their grasp. So I just find, yeah, those, that's something I find really exciting about mythology and just wanting to be a part of part of that. Yeah, so has that always been a part of your writing? I think so. Um, it's it's funny. I think I I think as as I'm sure many poets and writers would agree with. I'm still. I feel like I'm still trying to find out my sort of areas of of what I'm really excited by and what I like writing about. But mythology and strange stories and fairy tale always just come into my writing without me really noticing. So even if I'm not intentionally going out and saying, okay, I'm going to be writing um, a reimagining of the Medusa myth or Selkie mythology, sometimes accidentally, it will just sort of slip into my, into my writing and into my poems without me quite quite noticing so I think it is always it's always been there and I think it probably will be something that will will stay with my writing for a while yes and uh, certainly a rich source of inspiration there are a lot of these uh, stories around and a lot of different versions of them um, are there any uh, uh, new myths uh, that, that you've uh, found recently that uh, have been inspirational mm. um well, I'm always um, always been hugely inspired by um, Alice Oswald's work and the way that she reimagines mythology in such striking, um, unusual ways. Um, so her recent collection, Nobody, which is a reimagining of the Odyssey told through the water and the sea, it just something like that really opens. The, the possibilities of the ways that we can think about mythology and think about existing stories. So I'm always hugely excited by her work. But it's just, it, as, you, as you said, so many writers and artists and poets are, are inspired by these stories. Even I mean, when I was writing my new pamphlet, I remember listening to the the new musical Hades Town, which is based on the story of, of Eurydice. So it's just everywhere. These stories are everywhere and they're being brought into all sorts of, of books and musicals and music and artwork, um, which I think is really exciting. So there's this sort of wealth of new material um, and new myths coming out of, of existing old myths, which I think is incredibly exciting. Yeah, and uh, there's also there are a lot of uh, different uh, sources uh, in uh, Greek mythology is quite well known, but uh, every country and culture has its uh, mm -hmm. own set of myths and legends. 
Mm, definitely. And even down to sort of um, local legend and urban legend, even in the smallest villages, there are there are these stories that um, are part of the part of the culture. So it's I think, yeah, there is a um, there is a focus on on Greek mythology, but there's so much, so much more around it. And that's definitely something which is worth exploring as as a writer, I think. Yes, and uh, with them having been retold, reimagined so many times, um, how do you find something new to uh, say about them? Yeah, that's something that can feel quite intimidating, I think. And I think a good way of, of thinking about it um, for me, I think, anyway, is the idea of making the familiar unfamiliar, um, particularly if, if I'm dealing with a story that I know quite well or I've grown up with. I'm trying to look for the surprise in it and I'm trying to sort of shift it from being a familiar story. So whenever I'm writing and I'm dealing with mythology or, or fairy tale, and I write something that I don't recognise from the original, I think I've sort of done what I've set out to do, um, which is sort of what I, I, I was doing with, well, what I hope I was doing with the, the Selkie poem, um, in that shifting the characters, shifting the narrative, um, and trying to do something new with it. It might, it might not be completely new. There may be aspects from the original story that stay true. But I think if there is that element of surprise and there's a, a few aspects that have sort of twisted it from its original, then that, that's something that I will be pleased with at the, end, at the end of writing the poem. Yes, and um, this is uh, something... Uh you're hoping uh we're going to do as well with your uh, writing prompt yeah yeah so the the prompt to reimagine or rewrite a an existing piece of, of mythology or folklore or fairy tale um which as i said seems can seem like a quite intimidating idea um especially if you've got a a backlog of, of authors that have rewritten it and reinvented it themselves, that, you know, the idea of where to start and you've got your blank page can be quite daunting. Um, but I think with this prompt, it's an exciting one in that there are so many places that you can go with it and you don't necessarily have to deal with the story in its entirety. You could pick something um, completely abstract, as abstract as atmosphere or a feeling within the story. You could pick an object, you could pick a line from the existing story, you could pick a character character trait, you could be as small as you like or as big as you like, but trying to do something new with the story and to make the familiar unfamiliar. 
Yes, and uh, I think initially it's a good opportunity to explore or rediscover some of these stories. Um, when I started uh, looking for inspiration for this prompt, um, I read uh, various stories. I reread some of the Grimm's fairy tales. I read some uh, Japanese folk tales um, that uh, I hadn't read before and uh, some other things as well. Yeah, I think um, that that is revisiting stories that you've forgotten about or again as like as you said stories that you've never read before can be really inspirational and can prompt ideas that you didn't know you had yeah yes and uh then i think uh you know if you can just sort of look for what bit of the story interests you or um you know, maybe something just at the edge of a story, which is mm -hmm. kind of uh, interesting or odd in some way, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of what I did. Um, I actually uh, ended up writing a poem about Medusa, which is um, mm -hmm. uh, something uh, I know you've written about as well. So um, this was the uh, poem I wrote. It's called Medusa's Head. It hangs from the end of my bed in a Marks and Spencer bag for life. It hisses in the night. I've been bitten once or twice. I tried to get rid of it, but the bin men won't take it, and I fear it's being unearthed or found washed up on shore. Besides, it has its uses. I stopped a burglar halfway out of the window but couldn't extract the flat screen welded beneath his right arm. No one gives me any trouble since they saw the traffic warden on the high street, tickets still gripped in his petrified hands, but I'd like some company. I haven't had a relationship last more than two weeks. They all want to see it, and then it's over, whether I oblige or not. It was easy to slay her reflection, but I know it won't be over until I can look her in the eye. I love that. I love it. Oh, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. But that's exactly, yeah, exactly what we were talking about, about, you know, the, there's obviously the striking trope of Medusa's head, but then making it something completely new and different and surprising and funny and moving just shows how the what can be done with with reinventing myth no it's brilliant yeah yeah i um had a, a lot of fun uh, writing that and um i hope that uh, those of you listening uh, do as well and um yes yeah, sort of have fun with it um and uh you know maybe it's easy easier step would be to you know just write them if you like in your own words and that might sort of then help unlock ideas you can develop further mm. but um yeah give it a try and uh send your poems in because uh, as always uh, i'd love to read them you have a, uh, another pamphlet uh, you sent me recently which again uh draws mm. on a, a famous myth uh roots talk yeah um, Rootstock came out in November of last year with a new press, Hazel Press, which was launched by the brilliant Daphne Astor. And 
the the press it, it focuses on work to do with the environment or the natural world um feminism it draws on all of these themes so i knew that i was going to write something about the natural world so i didn't set out i didn't initially set out to write about mythology but it's again <laughs> it sort of came into the work accidentally and then it it sort of took over the poem and it draws very very loosely on the myth of Persephone who's the the queen of the underworld and the goddess of spring and her mother Demeter who's the goddess of harvest so they're two of I think I think five of the characters in the poem um so it surrounds surrounds those those characters yeah um maybe we could uh, hear a bit of it yeah of course i'll read a mixture um from the beginning of the book and i'll focus on on persephone and anita so the book starts at the point in which persephone has just been brought down into the underworld and she arrives with only one possession, and that is a flower. In this case, it's a very rare flower, um, the ghost orchid. And it starts at that point. Meanwhile, Demeter, her mother, is on earth searching for her daughter. And she doesn't know where her daughter has been taken. So I'll just read a few short sections from the beginning of the book. Um, and I'll, I'll say the names of the characters so you know who's, who's talking when. Persephone. To the dead, flowers are wreaths, or a curse of knotweed under their stones. Get me water and a vase. I'll show you the flower I picked before my season in the underworld. But there was no water, they said, and there was no vase. What you ask for, here they are words, not things. The shapes you can see, the shapes you imagine you see, that you think familiar, are insects, gathering and ungathering. Get me earth, there must be earth. I'm talking to the buried. Demeter. In sleep, I see her planting a flower. I'm carrying her shoes and the ground thistles are bursting. When I reach her, she is someone else's daughter, snipping the bloom from its ground thread. Persephone. In the upper air, my mother walks to the place where the missing are called for. Parents with torches, a parked car by the lake, and everyone digging. Can you hear the summer drying under her hands? The wasted grass? At home, We'd search for mushrooms, wood ears waxed from elder trees. If I know my mother, she'll be out with forager's eyes, as if I might be curled at the base of a tree. Great. Yeah, and it uh, seems you know, very much there. The uh, myth is a starting point and uh, it uh, stems off in different directions. Did you have a clear idea how it was all going to work uh, at the beginning? Yeah, it, it sort of evolved. So I, I sort of started with this 
very open idea about the natural world and going, okay, I need to find one, <laughs> one aspect of the natural world to write about and came across this article about the ghost orchid, this incredibly rare orchid, orchid that spends most of its life underground and flowers every, every decade or so. And I was really interested by that, but then it was finding a way into that. And it just, I just had this moment going, oh, it, it, that chimes with the Persephone myth of Persephone being in the underworld, being underground, reappearing, um, during spring. So I really liked that sort of these parallels between the myth and this flower. Um, so that was sort of my way in. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll start with Persephone in, in the underworld and that can be the point that is quite true to the existing myth. But once I found that, it did just go in lots of different directions. Um, a lot of the poem is, is set in woodland. So that felt quite quite fitting with this idea of searching and being lost and things going different directions and things taking um, wrong turns and right turns. So I, I did, the, the myth isn't, I don't think very recognisable, apart from the names and this idea of the underworld and this idea of Demeter searching for Persephone, her daughter. So it was a kind of happy accident, really, this, the way that the myth found its way into the into the poem and went from there. Yeah, yeah. It's um, interesting that way you sort of find a link between uh, two things like that. Mm. Is that kind of something you uh, often look for when you're writing? Not always. I think whenever... I think it's something that happens when I'm I'm not looking for it. So I, I, I try not to sort of search for things too much almost as if you're looking for something it won't it won't appear to you. So I did that with this book. I thought, okay, I'll I'll sit with this idea of the ghost orchid and just trust that the idea will appear at some point. And luckily, luckily it did through the myth of Persephone. And I think that does come from whenever I'm stuck with a piece of writing or I'm not writing anything and I don't know what to write about. I do tend to read and do research and just read around lots of different topics. And that's where, where the inspiration kind of jumps out at me. And that's what happened with the, the idea behind Rootstalk. I wasn't sort of looking for anything. It was only coming across this article about this flower that, that the idea jumped out. So looking without, without looking, I think, is my, is my tactic when it comes to new work. It's uh, interesting, the research side of things. Do you um, have any uh, techniques or anything in terms of how you research things? Or A lot of, a lot of in terms of rootstalk, because um, I wanted to read as much as I could about this flower, but there's actually not a huge amount about it because it's so rarely found. I don't think it's, I, I might be wrong, it might have been found last time in, I want to say 2009. So there wasn't a huge amount of material to read around it, which in a way is quite lucky because it's not, you know, a huge intimidating topic. But I read lots of archive material. I found these amazing botanical diaries from the early 20th century of botanists who searched for this flower and did sketches of the flower. So it was a really enjoyable experience, the research around it. 
and I wanted it to be to touch on history and archive and, and biography but also to move into mythology into fiction and fantasy a little bit more but I do really enjoy the the research side of of writing poetry especially when new ideas come out of it and I think that can be quite fruitful yes it certainly uh gives your work a lot of depth and detail mm. yeah and uh natural world is is another uh regular source of inspiration um mm. what uh, draws you to that yeah that's another thing that is always <laughs> sneaking into my poetry i think um that a myth i think i've always been drawn to writing about the natural world I was never, at, at school, I was never great at science <laughs> or um, biology, but I was always really fascinated by those subjects, but I just couldn't get my head around them. So it's almost like botany and science and the natural world um, and the environment. I'm fascinated by it, but I'm still trying to get my head around it all. So poetry is one way of, of doing that, I think. And I think it writing about something that you can that is alive and mo and moves and we don't fully understand it and it uh, and I read a, an article recently about French beans I think it was French beans that they believe have intent and the intent to to grow in certain places and I think that's really fascinating that the that there's more we don't know about the natural world and it's more complex like a like a human body it has its strangeness and its undergrowths and its hiddenness so I really like writing about about that and the yeah the strangeness and the the, the secrets of the natural world um I think there's a lot a lot there to write about rather than the sort of romanticizing it and making it seem all lovely and peaceful to really find the sticky strange strangeness of, of the natural yeah. world um uh, so uh you've uh, brought these two books out recently um are you working on anything at the moment yeah they, it was quite a, a um intense year with these two books at the moment just seeing how things go i'm still writing lots but at the moment nothing completely set in terms of another book <laughs> um but just writing as much as i can really um and seeing seeing where it will go is the plan <laughs> again going back to the searching without searching <laughs> something will come along i hope yeah yeah well uh look forward to uh how what comes out from that <laughs> yeah. thank you uh, would you like to uh, finish with something else? Yeah, sure. I can finish with one from Go Back to New Hunger. Yeah, I'll read a final one from New Hunger. Since we're talking about, been talking about mythology and the natural world, I'll read a sort of new nature fairy tale. Moss Children. Are singing from the garden, songs as low and quiet as damp. Their tongues, foraged herbs, are shaping ancient sounds. Soon the garden will be humming. 
Most children are standing in the shade, feet threaded to stone and bark, moving only to bob for fistfuls of cress. Watch the self-burial of rain. Most children soak it up through their toes, blush a deeper shade of green. Sometimes they cry for milk and mothers wake believing their own babies have wandered too far. Stolen milk spilt on the bank, flowers to hemlock. Moss children laugh in the stream. That was Ella Duffy reading Moss Children from her book New Hunger. Ella told me that that poem was inspired by pictures she saw of statues of children that looked like they were made of moss and she created her own mythology around them for that poem. I hope you'll enjoy playing around with mythology too and write some poems as well. You can find out how to submit poems for inclusion on the blog and podcast on the website poetrynonstop.com. You can also find full details of today's podcast, including how to get hold of Ella's books, which are available now. You can buy New Hunger from the Poetry Nonstop Bookshop on bookshop.org via the link on the website. There are also books by many other former guests on there and I get a commission from all sales which helps keep the podcast going. So check it out, support the poets and help fund more podcasts. I hope you've enjoyed today's edition. Thanks to Ella and until next time, take care, stay safe and keep writing.